Today's talk is going to be tough, uh, which is why I prepared you the way I did to make sure that your hearts are ready for what God wants to say to you today. I'm reading to you from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 onwards. Praise be to the God and Father. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And here he's talking to each and every one of you. Now for a little while, Peter says, you may have to suffer for a little bit in all kinds of trials. Why is this so? These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. This, my brothers and sisters, is the word of the Lord. Last month, we started a youth group. And over the last couple of weeks, I've been giving them a few short talks. The first time I spoke to the youth, I spoke to them about alcohol, convincing them that it wasn't a good idea to drink. Last week, I spoke to them about sex, a subject that nobody likes to talk about. Once again, advising them that Sex might be better to be stayed away from until one got married. Now, before I took these subjects, I knew that they were very unpopular subjects. Because in the world, everyone says it is okay to drink. And in the world, everyone says it is okay to have sex. And now, the world says it is okay to have sex even when you're members of the same sex. So I understood how risky it was going to be for me to take subjects that the world does not quite agree with. Why did I do that? Because we are not of the world. Jesus Christ said, John chapter 15, verse 19, if you belong to the world, if you do the kind of things the world asks you to do, they will accept you for their own. But you are not of the world. I have called you out of the world. I've called you to be singular. I've called you to be different. I've called you to be unique. Now the problem for us is how do we live in this world and still not act according to what the world tells us to do? How do we follow the rules of God and not listen to the rules of the world? It isn't easy. But we have hope in the story of three young teenage boys who lived a few thousand years ago in a country called Babylon. You will find this story in Daniel chapter 3. When King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon one day decided to erect a huge statue of himself. Made of gold, the statue was 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. He erected it in the middle of the city. And then he called all his big people to him. All his advisors, all his governors. And then when they stood in front of him, the elite of Babylon, he declared... That every time in Babylon, when any kind of music started to play, when the horn blew, 
when somebody puffed on the flute, when the zither played, everyone had to stop whatever they were doing and bow down before the statue. Basically, he was saying, every time the band begins to play, you are going to kneel down and you're going to acknowledge me as your God. What happened after that? The entire world obeyed. I mean, when the emperor decrees something, the world has to obey. Otherwise, they would be thrown into a blazing furnace of fire, just as the king decreed. And nobody wanted to be burnt alive. Nobody, except three young men. Does anyone know their names? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These were three people who had been taken prisoner when King Nebuchadnezzar's army marched into Jerusalem. As prisoners over there, they were adopted into King Nebuchadnezzar's government and used by him in service. But these three people said, King, we might serve you, but we're not going to bow down before you because we will bow down only before our God. Now, a few courtiers around there heard that these three people refused to bow down before the statue. So they went to the king and complained. They said, these are three people that you've chosen. These are three people that are favorites of yours. They're not listening to you. The king was furious. He sent for them. And he said, okay, I heard that you're refusing to bow down before my statue, but I'm a fair man. I give you one more chance. Tell me, the next time you hear the music begin to play, will you bow down before me or not? And the three men said, no. We are sorry, but we cannot bow down before anyone except our God. The king said, I will throw you into a blazing furnace. The three men said, you do with us whatever you want to do with us, but we will not bow down. Our God will save us from the fire, but even if he does not, we will not bow down before anyone except our God. The king was furious. He had the furnace made seven times hotter and he had these three men thrown in. The furnace was so hot, the men throwing them in burnt alive. But these three men, nothing happened. And as the king and his courtiers watched, the king suddenly remarked, did we not put three people in the fire? Then who is that fourth person over there? He looks like a son of the gods. In amazement, he had the furnace opened. These three men brought out and examined. Their clothes were not singed, not a hair was burnt. Even the smell of the fire was not on them. And the king acknowledged that the God these people believed in and worshipped was the true God. And he declared that everyone in the land was to acknowledge this God as the one true God. What's the point of this story for us? This story bears relation, has relevance to every single person sitting here. Because like in this story, there are people not of God telling us what we need to do. In this story, there were circumstances. And what were the circumstances? King Nebuchadnezzar ordered a statue built of himself. Today, all around the world, governments, if not people, are building statues. They might not be of themselves, but they are our foreign gods. And they're asking that we bow down and worship these gods. There are, of course, the gods that we all recognize so well, the god of money and power, 
and fame and prestige and success and importance. But there are also other gods they're erecting. Gods of free sex. Gods of deviant sex. Man can have sex with man and woman can have sex with woman and nobody thinks twice of it. People can kill their babies. Mothers can kill their own babies. And that's another big statue that the world is building everywhere. And in most countries it is legal for the mother to kill the own child being born in the womb. These are circumstances. Drugs are being made legal in many countries. The United States is looking at making marijuana legal now. How long before cocaine is and heroin is? These are circumstances. Why are these circumstances coming into play? Because some people want control. King Nebuchadnezzar wanted control. He wanted everyone in his kingdom to acknowledge that he was king. And more than king, he wanted everyone in his kingdom to acknowledge that he was God. So he constructed this big statue. People around us want control. They have their own ideas. They have their own thoughts. They're totally different from God's. They're totally different from any decent thoughts that people could have. But they want to exercise control over everybody else who might be sane. It doesn't matter that in many of these countries, it is a minority of people who want what is evil. A minority, mind you. But yet somehow, somehow, they have reached power that makes them dictate to the majority. Control. So what do they do then? They command. Just like King Nebuchadnezzar commanded. You either bow down before my statue or I will have you put to death. I travel around the world, as you know. I go to countries in Europe. I go to countries in North America. And did you know that I'm not allowed to speak about a lot of things there without risking being thrown into jail? In America, you're supposed to have free speech, but dare I open my mouth and speak against homosexuality? They can come and take me, arrest me, throw me in jail, and toss me over there for a long, long time. So much for free speech. I can't do this in England. I can't do this in Canada. I can't do this in many countries that call themselves Christian nations or until recently did. I cannot. This is the command issued by governments that all these things are legal. So what do we do? We have a choice. I have a choice. Every time I go to one of these countries to shut up and not say a single word against the worst kind of abominations taking place on this earth. Or I could say I refuse to. Accept what you're saying. I am going to speak the truth. And I speak the truth. It is easy to compromise. Isn't that what most of us do? Daniel's friends, did you not think they wanted to compromise? The king calls them. He challenges them. He says, I give you another opportunity. These three men, what do they do? They could have said, if he kills me, who's going to look after the Jewish people in Babylon? They could have said that. They could have said the king has been so good to us. Let us listen to him and show respect to him. They could have said, okay, I will bow down only physically, but in my heart, I will stay loyal to my God. They could have said that. They could have said, I will bow down before this idol. And then afterwards, I will go to my God and I will say, sorry. And my God is a forgiving God. He will forgive me. They could have said that. They could have said that because we are saying that all the time. Compromising with the truth. Doesn't matter that the world is going to hell in a basket. We compromise on the values that we hold sacred. And these are values that you hold sacred. I'm not asking you to stand for something you don't believe in. I'm asking you to stand for the truth according to what Jesus says. And let the world say whatever it wants to say. 
They could have compromised. But they knew one thing. They knew what the first commandment of God said. I, the Lord, your God, am one God, and thou shall have no false gods before me. You will bow down before me and before me alone and not before any God. And Jesus also said the same thing. A man cannot have two masters. He will serve one and hate the other. And Daniel and his friends knew that if they bowed down before this idol once, that was it for them. This story is about us, my brothers and sisters, about each and every one of us and the choices we are being called to make, not tomorrow, not day after, but now. I am telling you, it will not be very long in the future when someone will come with a gun and point it to your head and say, you give up your faith or I will pull the trigger. It is happening at this very moment as I speak in countries like Syria, like Afghanistan, like Iraq. Christians are being threatened and if they do not listen, their women are being raped and their men are being tortured at this very moment. What are you going to do? What would you have done if you were in one of these countries? Compromise. How important is your life? These three young men, what are their names again? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Does anyone know their names before King Nebuchadnezzar changed them? Daniel chapter 1. You need to know these names because they are going to be your heroes from now on. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I want to tell you what happened to them when they first came to Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar ruled this empire. And one day he sent his army marching into Jerusalem. His army ransacked the city. They destroyed almost everything in it. They tore the temple down, taking most of the valuable things in the temple. And on the way back, they took with them several prisoners. Among them were four teenage boys, Daniel and these three young men, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now King Nebuchadnezzar, decided to choose some of the smartest people from the Israelites to basically serve in his government. He said, what better way to integrate them than to teach them our customs, our cultures, our ways, and make them part of my empire. Master strategy. It's what the devil is doing now. He gets people in. He promises them with all kinds of things. And once they're in, he can get them to do whatever he wants them to do. So the king orders that these people eat the food that is served at his table and drink his wine. Now, none of these four, none of these four were happy with this. Now, I know most of us would be. Can you imagine eating food from the king's table, drinking king's wine? I mean, we'd love it, wouldn't we? These guys said, no, we're vegetarian and we drink only water. They refused to compromise. For more than one reason, they also understood that this food was being given to idols, and they said, I will have nothing to do with it. They could have compromised. They could have said, what is it going to hurt for us to eat a little food and drink a little wine? No harm in it. Everyone's doing it. But they said, no. Why? Because they knew the moment they started to compromise on their principles, everything after that just falls to pieces. Listen to this very carefully. The moment you begin to compromise on what you hold sacred and what you hold valuable, everything else, else is destroyed like that, like that. Try it with sex. And if you're married... Many of you are. 
tell yourself there is no harm to go out with another woman. Maybe kiss her a little bit. Maybe hold her a little bit. Maybe tell her how much you love her. Just that little bit. Compromise on that little thing. And see how quickly it goes from there into a sexual affair. And once that happens, see how quickly it goes to other affairs. Because once you've done it, what's to stop you from doing it again? I mean, you've done it once, right? These four youngsters, and I'm so happy they're young. Because whenever I talk to youngsters, I speak about them. These four youngsters said nothing doing. I am not going to eat your food. I'm not going to drink your wine. They had a challenge with the steward. And then say, you give us vegetables and you give us water. And at the end of three weeks, if we are less fit than anybody else, then you come and ask us questions. To the steward's surprise, at the end of three weeks, they were fitter than everybody else by their diet and by their faith in God. Now see what happens. God blesses them. They are involved in the kingdom. The governing people. But the king wants everybody to bow, including these people. And these people says, nothing doing. You think you can buy my soul? Forget about it. Nothing you give me is going to do anything to make me bow down before you. So the king said, okay, we're going to throw you in the fire because you're not listening. And now listen to what these men say. It's important. My God will save me. But even if my God chooses not to save me, I am not going to bow down before you. Job said the same thing. You know, he was one of the richest men in the world at the time. And he started losing everything, all his money, all his livestock, all his property, even his family. In the end, he had boils and sores all over his face. And he told God, God, you do whatever you want with me, but I'm not going to say no to you. I'm not going to turn my face away from you. Anyway, these three young men told the king, forget about you. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to bow down before you. The king was even more furious. He had the flames made seven times hotter. And he had these three men thrown into the fire. And then suddenly, in the middle of the flames, somebody else shows up. And who is it? It is... What the king thought was a son of the gods, not understanding that that person over there was the son of God himself, a prefiguration of Jesus Christ standing in the midst of three people who refused to bow down before a false god. We hear a lot of testimonies here, people being healed, cancer, tumors, tuberculosis, all kinds of diseases. We hear of testimonies over here of people delivered of all kinds of addictions. We hear of mighty blessings that God showers upon us. But do you know the greatest testimonies that I see every day is to see people suffer with a smile on their faces. I know a young girl called Rania. She figures in many of my testimonies because God healed her of cancer and tumor. And now there is nothing physically wrong with her yet. She is in tremendous pain. Every few days, she has to be admitted to hospital because she simply cannot bear the pain that racks her body. And all the tablets she takes stand for nothing. In hospital, they have to give her morphine to take away the pain. It is that intense. But when you look at her, when you see her, I am telling you, you will not know the suffering that she's going through. Because when she is in the fire, I can see somebody else in the fire with her. I can see Jesus Christ. I know their man. His name is Ajith. He's a very close 
member of this community and the doctors say he is dying. He doesn't believe that. And I went to visit him two days ago in his house. He was in hospital. He said, I don't want to stay here. I want to go home. So he is in his house sitting on his bed with a tube bringing food into his body. And why is food being brought into his body? Because his digestive system is not working any longer. It cannot break down food particles, so he has to be fed little drops of food to keep him alive. But whenever I see him, you know what I see? I see him standing in the flames, but I see Jesus standing next to him because I am telling you, I have never seen joy like this, even in the faces of healthy people. These are testimonies. And these are greater testimonies. I'm telling you, the greater testimonies of people who walk through life struggling, in trials, suffering, but still with the joy of God radiant in their faces. And when the world sees people like this, the world sees what King Nebuchadnezzar saw when he looked into the furnace. He saw three men over there standing without a care in the world while standing right beside them was a man who looked like a son of the gods. You need to be like that. You need to have faith like that. But that faith comes from believing in God and saying you will bow down before no God except the true God. And it doesn't matter what the world tells you to do. It doesn't matter what the world tries to bully you into doing. Refuse to do it. They could throw me into jail because of this talk, even though I've not really said anything. This talk, my talks go out on the internet. They're produced on DVDs and they circulate around the world. The next time I go to America, they can pick me up at the airport and put me in jail. Let them do what they want to do. You know what? I have somebody standing besides me and he is the son of God. It is easier to compromise. It is not easy to stand for the truth. I did this with the youngsters. I want to do it with you. Now imagine I'm a guy who wants to sleep with Cheryl. I mean, she's pretty enough for that. What does the world do? What do guys do? Now, guys don't look so embarrassed, okay? Do you love me? And that's reason enough to sleep, right? There's reason enough for women these days to sleep with a man. Doesn't matter that they have been taught not to do that, not to give their body to anyone who asks for it. But that's what guys do, and many times it works. If you really love me, you'll sleep with me. Cheryl is a little tougher than most girls, and she says, no, I'm not going to do that. If you really love me, you will not ask me to sleep with you. You'll wait until I'm ready, and I will be ready when I'm married. But then men are something else altogether. They don't give up easily. The whole world is doing it. Look at X and look at Y and look at Z, and all they're doing is sleeping with each other. Why can't you sleep with me? And Cheryl will say, I'm not like those girls. I have certain beliefs. I have certain principles. And I will not do it. But everybody is doing it. And Cheryl says, then go to everybody. Why are you coming to me? But I love you. In the end, it always comes back to that. And guys are stubborn. Guys are stubborn. Isn't that right, guys? When you want something, you get it. You want to get it. You want to have it. Circumstances. Control. Command. Threats. You don't sleep with me, I've not going to see you anymore. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Poor Cheryl's heart is breaking because she really loves this man who's telling her that he loves her. But then he's so insistent. What does Cheryl do? What do you do? I did something else with booze the other day. 
And this is very sticky because I know there are a lot of drinkers here and I'm sure some of you are turning red already. I will say what I have to say. Drinking is not good. Most of the time it makes people act like animals, even holy people. And I've lost count of the number of holy people who've done things they shouldn't do because of the influence of alcohol. I will continue to always tell people, don't drink if you can't handle it. Don't drink if you're going to do something you shouldn't do. Don't drink if it is going to encourage somebody else to drink. And here's also the problem. Not only do we drink, we'll encourage others to drink as well. There's nothing wrong with it. What's it going to hurt you to have a glass of wine? Nothing, nothing. Let me tell you nothing. Until that glass of wine turns into a glass of vodka, until that glass of vodka turns into a glass of whiskey, until that glass of whiskey turns into a bottle of whiskey, and then, oh, there's a lot of things happening. What do you want me to say? Tell people it's okay to drink? When I know that one day they will hurt people, when I know one day they will kill people, when I know one day they will molest people, little children, simply because they don't have control over their senses, because their senses have been surrendered to somebody. I told you today was going to be a hard talk. I don't apologize for it. I think about Daniel. I think about Daniel's friends. King's wine, the best wine in the land. How is it going to hurt anybody to have a glass of wine? They say, no, we drink only water. We acknowledge them as heroes because they stood for what they believed. We acknowledge our saints as heroes. Oh, we respect them so much. We talk about the things that they do. I don't know of any saint who got drunk. Do you? But no, we put them on pedestals and say, okay, you're a saint. We can't be like you. The thing is, we are supposed to be like them. And forget about being like them. We're supposed to be like Jesus. And you don't get to be like Jesus if you compromise. Jesus could have compromised. People told him to compromise. He didn't. My brothers and my sisters, we stand in a world facing the enemy who is coming against us with everything he has. God is being outlawed in most of the world. In places like the United States, where on the currency notes they used to have the name of God, where God was embedded in every word of the Constitution. They're throwing God out of their schools, out of their homes, out of their hospitals, out of their courtrooms, out of their lives. You see what is happening to the United States today. And tell me, it is just an accident. Forget about the United States. Why pick on them? Pick any country and see who rules and see how people of God, of faith, are being asked to bow down before a whole lot of false idols who bring nothing but pain. The people of God need to stand up and not compromise with the devil because in a compromise with the devil, only he can win. You take food and you take poison, mix the two of them together. And who's going to win? But this is what we do constantly every day. Drinking is not the point. Sex is not the point. Compromising on our values is the point. Decide what your values are today. Whatever they might be. If they are scriptural, tell God you're going to stand by what he says. And you tell him and you let him know also. That no matter what the world throws at you, you're not going to bow down before any God. Because you believe in only one God. And he is the true God. He is the living God. On the day of Pentecost, Peter went out with 11 of his friends. 
He stood in front of people and he accused them of murder. He used to be afraid until not very long before. But there was something different about Peter that day. He was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing you can do on your own, my brothers and my sisters. But if you are filled with the fire, the same fire that burned on Peter, trust me, you will be able to go forth and stand as I stand and let the world do whatever it wants to do to you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know why? Because you don't live for this earth. You live for what awaits you up there. In the 19th century, there were three missionaries. I'm going to close with this story. There were three missionaries who went to Fiji. And the people of Fiji were mostly cannibals. Cannibals are people who eat human flesh. They went over there without fear to their lives and started to talk to the people about Jesus. It was 1835 when they reached. Nothing happened the first year. Nothing happened the second or the third or the fourth or the fifth or the sixth. But in the seventh year, the chief of the tribe suddenly discovered Jesus. He had an experience of Jesus and gave his life to Christ. And in the year after that, almost everyone in Fiji accepted Christianity. Now, one of these missionaries was asked afterwards whether he was afraid to go to this tribe where he could have met his death. And do you know what he said? I was not afraid because I had died before I went there. And in this lies freedom, that if we are dead to the world, if we are dead to this existence here on earth, we need be afraid about nothing because every one of us already has life, eternal life, that will last forevermore in heaven. So if somebody comes at you with a gun, do you renounce your faith or do I blow your brains all over your clothes? You don't have to be afraid if you're already dead. To yourself, to this world, I am dead. I am dead to this world and all the world can do to me. But I'm alive to Christ and I will be alive forevermore. Amen. Amen.